Hello, this is Satyajit Sarkar, and welcome to the After Show podcast. We have with us the creator of Kiss of the Dragon's Curse. Hi, thank you for having me. Please introduce yourself for our audio listeners. Uh, yes, I'm Gabrielle Freitas, and I'm a theater major here at Southeast Missouri State University. And uh, let's go around the panel. Uh, Clayton, would you like to... Hi, I'm Clayton Hester. I am the president of the Red Hawk Radio Theater, and I am the uh, the character of Damiel in this uh, audio play. And uh, please, Tabitha, you? Oh, hello. My name is Tabitha, and I play Trisla. And Anna. Hi, I'm Anna Myers, and I played Knight Number 2 and The Queen. Amazing, amazing. Uh, well, in the show, I play Enon and King. So, Elle, could you tell us how you got the idea for this show? Um, I was doing homework, and I was listening to some relaxing Celtic music, you know, those nice little three-hour YouTube playlists. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, hmm, dragons. And then I went, but what if the dragons were the good guys? And it just kind of stemmed from there. Ah, okay, okay. So then you slowly fledged out the, fleshed out the uh, idea uh, over a course of, how many weeks or months? Like a month. Yeah, a month. Say? Probably a month, yeah. 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 Yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely just kind of came up with it as I went along. There were some points I knew from the beginning, but um, I, I didn't really know all of it. For example, I got to Act 3, and I was like, how do I break the curse? I didn't have him put an exit clause. Ah. So that was fun, figuring out how Damiel had to die. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's it's a very ragtag bunch of dragons that we got here. How did you come up with the uh, personalities, would you say, for, for each dragon? Because uh, in the story, each dragon is very different from one another. Um, could you give us a little uh, perspective on that, please? I think it had to do with what purpose they served in the story. For example, I kind of had a good idea of who Clarice had to be just from the fact that she did... Uh, carry the nar narration for the show. So I knew that she had to be the protagonist. She had to be kind of driving the show. Um, I have a younger brother, Alec, who I love very, very much, and I do not see brother-sister -si relationships being portrayed very often in That media. is true. So I wanted to give her a younger brother. Um, Enin is very loosely based off of my brother, <laughs> but just the um, brother-sister relationship. Yeah, I, I could see the camaraderie and the sort of um, a playfulness that came with being Enon and uh, Claris. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a very fun uh, relationship to play. Um, Clayton as Damiel, the uh, antagonist. Would you call that L? Um, I personally consider Suna the main antagonist. Um, uh. Clayton or Damiel is kind of more like the uh, hero of a tragedy. In that mm. he has a tragic flaw that causes him to cause the downfall of the other characters in the play. I see. Yes, uh, Clayton, as I was going to ask, uh, what was your experience like going through this story and finding out uh, the unfolding of Damiel? Well, I like it. I mean, uh, the character of Damiel to begin with is one that I kind of relate to uh, in the sense that um, he, he has a clear and... Uh, enforced feeling of um, need to prove his maturity. Um, he's also a slightly neurotic and that's, you know, but I also like that um, Elle has created um, probably one of the more, the more gritty 
stories that we've done so far, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah. And like I've never I, I, I did I did drama in high school and that was kind of my thing then. But always in you know the back of my mind, if I ever like went on to be do anything in acting just by happenstance because I wasn't ever brave enough to pursue it. But like I would want to be typecast as one of those people that only plays villains. That's a weird thing to say. Oh but no, it's I, not weird. At I all. love it. Like it's like you yeah. know I you know um, I just think that the, those kind of people that it's just such a cool way to be. I know that most people might be like, hey, I want to do something different for a change. But like that would be that would be my thing. It yeah. seems like it's kind of working out for me. And <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> this, uh, this, well, you played uh, you played flow. Scrooge yeah. before, and uh, now yeah. you, now you're Daniel. And I wrote uh, Rex Mundy in my first play for myself, so I was a, a villain there too. He was like an evil CEO tycoon type guy, so that was yeah, you know, right up my alley. But it's <laughs> being a villain. <laughs> yeah, be, so yeah, yeah, I like I like her description of him as more like a tragic figure, you know, a tragedy type thing. You know, somebody does something terrible with motives. Mm-hmm. revenge and so on and that really backfires and leads to all sorts of conflict that needs to be resolved so yeah yes now on to Trisla. uh tabitha what was your uh experience with this character and how did you come to i guess know Trisla? because Trisla is a very caring and nurturing sort of soul and she has she has the way of diffusing issues uh, could you expand on that, please? Well, I'm usually not the kind to play like the caring type. I feel like I've sort of been typecasted at the college as like a misfit, sort of. So it was nice to have that little change of being the caring and empathetic one. So I, I tried to have empathy for once while I was reading my character. And it was it was different, you know? I I tried to think, okay, so we're the good guy here for once. What do good guys think? I don't know. Let's find out. Ah, I see. And there is a little bit of uh, spiciness between the uh, Damiel and uh, Trisla relationship over there. There's a little bit of a playfulness that's kind of, you know, lingering right up until the uh, unfortunate end of your character. You want to expand on that? Well, they, they were feisty together, as you can tell. But of course, we yes. never got to pro- proclaim our love to each other. So it's, it's tragic. Yeah, it's, It is what it is. I like that whenever he's, you know, ranting about it at the end, it's like, it was always Trisla and Damiel. Damiel and Trisla. And it's like, you know, uh, towards the beginning, he was like, wait, you, you love me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's definitely the idea of how, like, when someone dies, you, like, romanticize mm-hmm. the idea of them. <laughs> He's kind of like, well, they also did have always a friendship relationship, though. I did want to emphasize that. But it is also the idea of, like, he's acting like they totally were a thing. Mm -hmm. He calls her his life mate, and they they never, like, agreed to that. Yeah. I mean, but, like, even in the beginning, we always, uh, we hear it the way way you intended it to be, Al, as it being a little foreshadowed, uh, you know spiciness going on <laughs> uh anna as a uh listener of this uh of this story and being in it you know um uh even for like for the brief period as it was just listening to it for the first time what went through your brain and how did you go about um being a participant of this well i think everyone is just trying to tell their own story and so this is like 
the like goal is to get you to look at different perspectives. And so like the queen in the end is telling her truth about like what happened in her side of the story. And to her, the dragons are the villains. But the dragons, like when we see their perspective, they also had a story and it was their truth is that they were not the villains. And I think that's really interesting. Yes. Uh I would like to I would like to I would like to expand on that because you at the end really just kind of unraveled the whole human side of this um war, I guess you could say, that's been going on. Because honestly, it's been referred to as a war in the script, but it's kind of a like a scuffle of ah, I need to fix this because at one point you guys got uh well you guys as in the dragons got hurt without them retaliating and then it the later uh, later the tables got turned on the humans so uh you play the the little girl who became the queen so in that story what did you find the most interesting uh in your character's arc as fast and as apparent as it was? Um, so the queen grew up in the eye of the public and I think she was kind of forced to feel this way about the dragons because she has her whole community to be the voice of. And this was like an attack on their community. So she has to be there to like defend their case. Mm. Yes, yes, that's very interesting. That's very interesting because, like, honestly, the way uh, the way that I saw it going down was you kind of rise through the ranks because you were just alone on the field, and slowly you just, you know, rallied the forces and you know, uh, got the got the humans on one side to to in essence slay dragons, I guess. Um, yeah. Can I chime in with some author perspective here? Yes, yes, please. Um, so at first the little girl was just, um, there's this quote about how if you want to show a war, you don't start with the war, you start with a shoe. So she was the shoe. She was the thing that you could like focus in on to really see the devastation. Mm. But I realized that at the end, I wanted a storyteller to oppose Clarissa's story. The reason that the dragon story isn't told and the human story is. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if this little girl who was all alone and somehow survived became a queen, she would have the voice to uproot the story. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Um, it reminds me of, you know, that photo of, uh, from the Vietnam War about, you know, the girl. Okay, she, she looks at me with a glare because, like, before it was finished and I was writing and looking at this, I, I, I like, is this like an allegory for the Vietnam War? But <laughs> turns out it's not. Um, but, um, it could like be. Like an accidental, incidental thing. You yeah. know, like, um, you know, the, the encroachment of the humans, like with their high ideals could represent like communism, something like that. But, uh, you know, like, and they, they kill the eggs. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's like the innocents that are, were hurt then and, you know, fire and so on. But it's not. Um, but no, it reminds me of that uh, photo that's like encapsulates so much of like the the prize of like photojournalism of that girl that's like running through the the streets uh, naked in Vietnam. Um, I believe it's the setting is has to do with chemical warfare and something like that. But it's mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's iconic, and I can't really show you in this podcast. But it's you know that kind of idea that's there. Um, can I ask a question real quick? Um, so okay, 
So we've got a little bit of revisionist history here, right? So in a sense, like, because, you know, the real story is the dragon story, who are the good guys. So in a sense, you know, the victory, the victors have written this story representing the queen. Um, mm -hmm. Are we to take it that basically, despite all this, the dragons end up losing if we basically say, this is happening in our world, there are no dragons anymore. Yeah. So by implicating them as the victors, we're basically saying, you know, the dragons are gone today because they lost anyway. Also, did was Suna killed at the hands of humans? Um, Suna and the queen wage um a war just against each other forever. Suna does eventually uh in my mind not included in the audio play <laughs> get slain by one of the queen's knights. Mm. Um, as for the idea of the dragons and the humans, I think it's a long, long time. I think it takes hundreds and hundreds of years before all the dragons, um, die out. But I do think they die out. I, uh, actually got part of this idea from a book I read, uh, The Two Princesses of Bamar by Gail Carson Levine. Mm -hmm. And in it, um, there's a plague on the land, which is caused by, um... A dragon that a hero has slain, and as the dragon dies, they release a curse. So uh, originally, it was supposed to be that Trisla releases a curse as she dies, but I didn't think that fit her character. Hmm. So, um, but anyway, in that book, there are still like three dragons left. So I just see like this slow, slow demise of the dragons until like there's one left. Maybe there could be one in the world right now, but we don't know it. Ah, I see. Um, okay, and I had a question about um, Anon because near the end he really kind of matures, I guess, into uh, sort of just a very, uh, I want to say, more caring of the of the people around him because before he was only interested in what. Clarice had to say, but then when it got to Damiel at the end, he was like, do we really have to? Yes, we do. He he kind of had his own, um, I guess, inner conflict going on. What was the reason of Enon being the uh, vessel of said inner conflict? Um, Enon, I just kind of wanted to show the process of growing up. There's that line early on where Enon says... Uh, he asks how Daniel does what he's afraid of, and Daniel says that he doesn't know. It's just part of growing up. So I, I kind of wanted to show the process of Enin growing up. He was always kind of that voice of reason to Clarice. I mean, at the beginning when he's like, why are you yelling at Mother Elder? That did nothing. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of wanted him to develop into that. Some of that was missing in, like, the first episode just because he was so young. But um, fun fact, seasons are just, like, summer, winter, fall uh, spring, so ah. eight seasons is two years. So he's had two years to grow up, which um, isn't that much in Dragon Time, but it's two years under a curse, two years with extreme personal interpersonal strife. So I wanted to make sure that it was clear that Enin had changed over this time period because he wouldn't have been able to come out unscathed. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Do dragons age extremely slowly? Like... Like, how does that work? I calculated exactly how long it takes for a dragon to grow up, and I don't remember. <laughs> what? You actually went through this? 
Yes, I, I calculated how long it takes a dragon to grow up, but I do not remember what the number turns out to be. I'm, wow. I'm just thinking that could be a reason for their mortality, you know, like in terms of like they, they age slow. That's like not, uh, not Claris really. Claris had said that they don't have 400 seasons between them, and that's uh, 100 years. So I theorize that to become an adult, so about 20, that would be about 100 years. So, oh, doing the calculation again. So that would mean that like it takes like five human years for a dragon to get a year older. Ah, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's not very. That's not very good for natural selection. So that could be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like baby Yoda is like fifty years old, right? And so, <laughs> and elephants like take two years to like gestate, and you know, like those sorts of things. I also played with an idea of like uh, like they grow up really fast and then they just like stay for a while, but I didn't like that theory. So. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, what kind of world building did you put into this thing? Like, how elaborate was it? I think a lot of it came naturally. I wanted to make sure that the dragons had their own vocabulary. I wanted to rely on human vocabulary as much, as little as possible. But I used a lot of words that we use um, in a different way. For example, proclaim. So for us, that's like telling someone something. But for dragons, it's a very serious thing. You are making your oath, and it's either like a roar or a trumpet. So like... Mm. like trumpet like yes yes i am doing this or you can like roar at another dragon and like i am going to fight you ah uh, i see uh, come at me bro yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. and then there were different things too like i had paces for measuring and seasons for time i just really wanted to make sure that there was a sense of otherness between the yeah. dragons and the humans mm -hmm. uh i was gonna say that uh the fantastical aspect of this story really kind of shined um in in my eyes because uh i mean not a lot of times writers give thought to really building up their world in a sense of how they want it to be and how things are heard you know and it, it was just a very cool thing to to sit and listen to because i knew exactly from line one how this world was going to work and you know everything was made clear the way it was written and if you like chart it out it's not as though the um the world is so like mythologically dense as it's you know like the the world of like tolkien ah. <laughs> and it's not so like simple that it's like dragon tales mm, or mm -hmm. and it's not like you know like as like un, as light and cheery as dragon tales either uh, <laughs> no, no, it, not it, it even. It switches from a nice, you know, um, like a raggedy juvenile, like yeah, yeah, like not juvenile, but like ju, like in the sense that it's young and like things are good. We're a hundred years old, life. We're cruising through life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sort of sense. Like, uh, like yeah, we're just fooling around, mm -hmm. doing our thing, yeah. mischief, and then it goes instant to. Yeah, I hate meat. authors who do this, but I was sitting there and I was like, I'm going to lure them in with happiness and then I'm going to wreck them in episode two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. That that was the plan and I felt really bad about it, but I was like, this is necessary. It was a good plan. Mm -hmm. um, Trisla, on, uh, well, Tabitha in this case, on your death, what were some of the emotions and what were some of the things going through your mind? Because you... You were kind of the glue that 
held everybody together and then ne- suddenly you see on the page you're gone so what did that what did that feel like it felt good to die <laughs> <laughs> I never really, like, died before on, like, a show, so that was fun. But also, like, I don't know, it's good to know that I was wanted and important to the story. So, yeah, I don't know, it's cool. I got to, I was important, and I got to die. (laughs) Also, I'm going to ask, is there any way a dragon could come back to life in your fantastical world? (laughs) Um, I haven't given much thought to this. I guess theoretically that could have been another way I could have taken this with Damiel going off and trying to find a way to resurrect Trisla with some magical spell. Mm. But um, except for the curse, a lot of the magic in this world seems smaller. The only other thing mentioned is like an invisibility potion. So I just, I don't know that the dragons would resurrect someone because they have that idea of the eternal hunting ground. Yes. So it would be like taking them from their reward and like, Flopping them back on the earth. Ah, you'd hate to end up with zombie dragon girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> also, with the idea of the curse in this one, I had it like have a counter curse, so I feel like resurrecting a dragon would kill something else. Oh, okay. You know, okay. Yeah, that's fine. I would like to thank uh, L, Clayton, Tabitha, and Anna for being a part of this uh, after-show podcast. Once again, I am Sethi Sarkar. And this is Red Hawk Radio Theater. We're signing off.